I'm in Colossians chapter 3, and we'll just read again verses 1 and 2, though we looked at it this morning, and read down through verse 4 again. Powerful, powerful verses that I think are so needed. Now, you remember we prefaced when we started this book of the Bible going verse by verse through it, that this is a book that's indelibly connected with Laodicea. And if you miss those messages, you'd have to go back and, and review them. But we were mentioning that in chapter 2, verse 1, other places. But this book has a very, I think, significant, though all the Bible is, is needed and helpful and necessary for us. This, this book of the Bible, I, I believe, that's supposed to be read to Laodicea is a good temperature gauge and help for us in the generation of the church that we live in. I do believe we're the last... On the scene. I believe that. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I believe that. And um, if if that if the Lord doesn't come in my lifetime and this is not the last generation of the church, uh, I, I'll be disappointed, but I won't be disheartened about it. Because uh, I'll be with the Lord either way. But um, I do believe we are in the last generation of the church. And so I think these words are very important for us. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Probably if you lived in some generations of the church, you would have been more apt to look up because you wouldn't have anywhere else to look to. In the generation that we live, it seems like we have everything to look at but God and to look up. So I, I think this is important. I'm not going to re-preach this morning's message. Verse number three, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Heavenly Father, we pray you would bless your word to our hearts, and we'll praise you and thank you for what you do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. The first profound thing I see in this text that we're reading in verses 3 and 4 Verse number four says, when Christ who is our life. That is a tremendous phrase. Our life is not defined by what we do. Our life is not defined by a career or our family members. Our life is not defined by what nation we are born into. Our life is not defined by our circumstances, whether it's hardships or blessings. The Bible defines our life as Jesus Christ. He's our life. He is not just someone we are living for. He is our life. He is the whole encompassment of what life is to us. 
And I would say this, if your life isn't Jesus, then you're living a life that is vanity because the book says, if in this life we only have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If your life is about this life, you're going to need some pills. You're going to need, you're going to need more than more than you're going to be able to find to help you. Because this life will have no purpose and no meaning and no escape from its misery. This is not our life. Boy, that's hard to get your head around. Because as we live life, we see our life as what we're living. And the Bible says, Christ who is our life. How would you define your life or life in general? Would you define it as, you know, your heart beating, your body moving? Would you define your life as your your consciousness? Your mind, how you think? When you would define life, would you define it as the experiences of the soul? How you can interrelate to to other people? How would you define life itself? Your experiences in this world? Think with me. When you define what life is in its essence, what is it? Is it having a family and talking to people and walking? What is life? What is it? Is it the emotional things that I experience, the attachments that I have? When you boil life down, life is precious, is it not? But it's not just a heart that's beating. And it's not just a mind that is thinking. And for people that don't know who Jesus is, life is contained in all these things I've mentioned and more. But the Bible says if you've been risen with Christ, that is not your life. That's not what your life is about. Jesus Christ is your life. You know what I've spent my ministry doing as a pastor and as a preacher? Trying to get Christian people to believe that Christ is their life. Life is not about living and retiring and dying. It's about Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you are a banker or a truck driver or a construction worker or a school teacher or a retired person or if you're 13 years old, or if you're 90 years old, life for a saved person is one thing. It's just Jesus. Life is just just Christ. Because that's what the Bible says. When Christ who is our life. And until we can see that, we are going to be so mixed up as we travel this journey. Paul put it another way. He said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, you know the verse, for to me to live is Christ. Such a simple phrase, 
and yet so little believed. We ought to eat, drink, sleep, breathe, think, feel Jesus. He's our life. We know that from a a lot of reasons. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the what? And the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. John said in John 1, 4, in him was life. He said in 1 John chapter 5, in verse number 11, that this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's two ways you can look at it. Life is in Jesus. If I have him, I have eternal life. But it's more than that. The life which I now live in the flesh is Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about what I want to do. It's not about what I feel or think or experience. When, when Christ, who is our life, for me to live is Christ. There is no other life. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says in verse number 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. You know all those statements that Jesus made about himself, that he was the life and, 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 and that he's the resurrection, all those things. You know he's not a good person if that's not true. For you to go around and tell everybody that your life, you know, the world has such a strange view of Jesus. They, they want to just part and parcel Oh, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He said some good things. He was a terrible, bad man if he's not really the life. He's a liar. If he is not the resurrection and the life, if in him is not life, I have wasted my existence. But he's not a liar and he's not just a good man. He's God and there is no life outside of him. In him was life and that life was the light of men. There is, that's why everything is miserable without Jesus. Quit trying to live your life without Jesus. You can't do it. It's vanity, it's a failure. That's why that preacher over there in Song of Solomon, that wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus, said, everything under the sun is vanity. Well, I'm not living for under the sun. I'm living for the one that's above the sun. (laughs) And my life is being invested in the person of Jesus Christ. So what is your life? Sometimes I read Spurgeon, I think I'm in kindergarten as a preacher. Well, I know I am when I read him. Let me tell you what he said. You ready for this one? He said, all else but Christ is death in another form. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? He said, everything but Jesus is just death in a different form. 
Because He is the life. And if you don't wrap it all up in Him, it's just dead. It's just dead in a different way. It's dead in a different form. Therefore, we could not make too much of Jesus because He's life. That's why the same book said, He said, in all things He might have the preeminence. Why? He's my life. How could I make too much of Him? How could I put Him in too high a place when my whole life is defined by Him? By His person. Our text says, Christ who is our life. How many young people come up out of church, but they think life is something else besides Jesus. How many middle-aged people are in that rut of, of clocking the clock and paying the bills and raising the kids, and they think that that's what their life is about, and it's not. It's, supposed to, it's about Jesus. And how many people at the end of their life trying to hold on to their life and cause their body to have some more health from disease and problems. Instead of seeing their life as Jesus, they see it as something I need to hold on to or sustain. When Christ who is our life, please don't forget that phrase. Your life is not defined by what has happened to you. Could I say that again? For some people... Some event in their life they have allowed to define their whole life. But that's not the defining characteristic of our lives. If we've been risen with Christ, our life is all about Jesus. Would you go back to our text? He says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 3, he says something else about our life. Our life is Christ, but then he says this in verse 3. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life is not only Jesus Christ, if you're saved, but your life is hid. Hid. Now, I'm not talking about how, you hide, how kids play hide and seek, you know. And they put their hands on their eyes like nobody can see them and they think they're hid. I'm talking about something that's really hid. Has, has anybody ever hidden something from you? Now, what does it mean when something is hidden? You, can't, you don't know where it is. You can't see it, right? It's hidden. This book says that your life is hid. In other words, you can't even see... The extent of what your life really is. It's hid with Christ in God. You've got to unwrap Jesus to even find your life. And then you've got to unwrap God because Jesus Christ is hid in God. What a place to hide. You know, in Israel, some of them that survived had safe rooms built in their houses that were hidden. Some of you may even have that. That's a very popular thing now, that people will build a room in their house that doesn't look like a room. It maybe is a bookcase there. And you move that, and there's a room behind there. It's a hidden room. And so when the thief comes or the, or the, the 
dangerous individual comes, you go hide in that place. Maybe some of you have a, a place to hide when the, when the tornadoes come. When we think about a hidden place, we think about safety. Maybe you have a, a safe at your house, some of you guys, and you've hidden some guns in there that the ATF doesn't even know about. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're listening, preacher. But we all hide things. We usually hide things in the safe places. There are some people that have hidden things so well that they couldn't even find them and their loved ones couldn't find them. <laughs> and later the walls got torn down. Here's all these valuables for somebody else that bought the house and didn't know about where they were hidden. Isn't that true? Now let me ask you a question. If you're, if you're saved, if you've been risen with Christ, and your life is hid with Christ in God, can you imagine a safer place to be? You think anybody can pry away those doors? <laughs> you think there's any danger of anybody coming in there? You see how safe our life is if it's hidden with Christ in God? It can't be, our life can't be taken away. It can't be manipulated. It cannot even be stopped. That's why Jesus said, Whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Because if my life is hid with Christ in God, He lives forever and I live forever. And the devil can't even get in there. Is that not true? So the only access the devil would have to your life is if you give it to him. Because our life, the Bible says, is hid with Christ in God. When I think of something that is hidden, I think of something you can't see. You know, I can't see Jesus. And somebody comes to me and says, they have, I, I, I sort of back up. They put those people in places. No, the Bible says you've not seen him. If the Bible says you've not seen him, you've not seen him. You know why? He's hidden. He's hidden from my sight. He's hidden from this world. He's gone out of this world. I can't see him. I can't touch him. He is beyond my physical senses. But watch this. So is my life. My life is so much Bigger than what I can see because I can't even see it. I feel like I'm in this esoteric place where you... I'm just reading the Bible. If my life is hidden, I really can't see everything that it is. You know the Bible says that even this whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. This world cannot see our life, not our true life. It's hid with Christ and God. That's why they can't understand our life. It's hidden from them. It's hid in Christ. It's hid with God. It's out of reach, if you please. It's beyond the senses. It's beyond this physical world. It's a secret life. When you think of something that's hidden, it's something that's secret. Isn't it so interesting how the Lord talked about uh, what we do in secret? The real sum of our lives, guys, listen. The real sum of our lives is not what people can see. The real sum of our lives is what people cannot see. 
Because our life is hid with Christ in God. I'll say more about that in this last point. So my life is Jesus Christ. My life is hid. And then he says in verse number four, Colossians three, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Get the context. Here is something that's hidden. Jesus right now is hidden to the eyes of the world. But one day, amen, he's going he's to come out from his place and appear to everybody. He's hidden from view from the world. But one day he's going to step on the scene and he will appear. Same way with my life. Watch it. He says in verse number 4, When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also what? Appear with Him in glory. So there's a part of Jesus that's hidden. There's, my life is hidden. But one day it's going to take center stage. It's going to appear. That which is hidden is going to be made in plain sight. And everybody's going to see Jesus. And everybody's going to see my life the way it really is. Would you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4? We'll boil it down now to simpler things. Your life one day will appear. It'll be, it'll be on the grandstand. Right now it's in obscurity, even from you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his what? His appearing and his what? Now, if you're a Bible student, you understand that that means he judges the quick. Those are living, alive people at his appearing. We just went through Colossians and, and, and Ephesians 2. We've been quickened. We've been made alive we who have been laid alive in Jesus, or we'll also be judged, will be judged at his appearing. The dead is going to be judged at his kingdom. Never confuse, look at the verse, never confuse his appearing with his kingdom. It's not the same. It's two different events. Matter of fact, there, there's, there's going to be a period of time, and that's why there's two different judgments. They're not the same judgment. There's a judgment for the living, and there's a judgment for the dead. The judgment of the living is at his appearing. The judgment for the dead is at his kingdom. The Bible says in verse number 8, that's why he says this. In 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. I'm loving the day that, I, that He will appear, and I will see Him, and my eyes will behold Him. That's the day that the righteous judge will judge the quick, and there'll be reward, and there'll be loss, and there'll be shame for some. He said, you're in 2 Timothy 4, just turn the page over to Titus. Titus chapter 2, he says it again in verse number 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious what? Appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We believe 
in the premillennial, pre-tribulational appearing of Jesus Christ in the clouds for His church. Because if that's not the case, we could not be looking for His appearing. We would be looking at the things that would bring His appearing. You understand? In other words, if His appearing is after the Antichrist, then I'm going to see the Antichrist before I get to see Him. So the Lord would say, you better watch for that Antichrist because when you see that Antichrist, his appearing is getting close. But that's not what it says. He doesn't say, oh, you, you, you better watch for the abomination that make it desolate and you better, better watch for all this, this, this time of trouble that's going to come on the earth because, it, because right after that, it's going to be his appearing. That's not what he said. He said, you know what? You got one thing to look forward to you got one thing to look to. The next event on your calendar as a born-again child of God is the appearing of Jesus Christ. Be looking for that. And nothing else has to happen for Him to appear. There's a whole lot of things that have to happen down here in Daniel's 70th week and the book of Revelation that doesn't have anything to do with His appearing. The church is just looking for His appearing. By the way, we before he can take up dealing with Israel again, the church has got to be gone. You don't, he's not going to have Christianity and Judaism at the same time. <laughs> that didn't even make sense. <laughs> because those are different entities. The Jew and the Gentile and the church of God, they're all separate. And the Lord says, I tell you what I'm going to do. Before all these events of Daniel's 70th week and all this time of tribulation and the Antichrist, I mean, guys, if they start dropping nukes, people are going to think it's Armageddon. You know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be looking. Because there's a whole lot of things that this world has got to experience after the appearing of Jesus Christ. But all I have to do is look for my blessed hope. Not looking for the mark of the beast. Quit looking for the mark of the beast. I remember being down in the Caribbean. They were telling me that the Antichrist was Ronald Reagan. I mean, serious. And they even had all the proof. Had his, his name counted and the number of his name and he was 666. <laughs> He'd been dead a long time, hadn't he? Now, if I'd been living in World War II, I'd probably think it was a tribulation period. Especially if I was a Jew. But you know what? It wasn't. You know why? Because the next event on God's calendar is His appearing. And I'm supposed to be looking for that. You know what I believe? Guys, guys, guys. Why is it that He talks about us looking for His appearing? Why is He mentioning it in, in Colossians to the Laodicean church? Because I really believe the last generation of the church is not going to be looking for His appearing. I mean, we who believe in the rapture, we don't really believe in the rapture because we don't think about it. We don't look for it. <laughs> and we know that because every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he's pure. If we believe Jesus was coming today, we'd live such clean lives. I mean, we'd be spick and span, church. We don't believe he's coming. It's just like that guy says, well, I believe in tithing. Well, if you don't ever tithe, you don't believe in tithing. (laughs) 
I believe, I believe in missions. Well, not if you don't ever get involved in it, you don't. Well, I believe the Bible. Not if you don't ever read it and live it, you don't believe the Bible. I believe Jesus is coming in the rapture. Is that the way we lived yesterday and Friday? We've been looking for his appearing. The longer this thing goes, the less and less people are looking to the coming of the Lord. And that doesn't even make sense to me. Fewer and fewer messages are preached about it. Fewer and fewer Christians are anchoring their hope. I mean, there were days where Christians went through terrible times. And boy, you can hear them talk, well, Jesus might come today. That's not really on the heart and mind of the church right now. They're thinking more about the government than they are the appearing of Christ. They're more about the election than they are before we get through with this service. Amen. The trumpet can sound and we can be called up hither and meet the Lord in the air. I believe that. That keeps me going, brother. Oh, let us never lose the blessed hope of the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll just keep reading these verses because they're good to hear. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 7, Watch it, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In other words, what will keep me going through that trial of my faith is that I'm looking up, I'm waiting for the appearing. I really believe He's coming and He could come today. I think I'll go another mile with him. He said in 1 Peter chapter 5, he said in verse number 4 in 1 Peter 5, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Keep turning over, he said in 1 John chapter 2, you know these verses. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, And now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may, be, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. He's going to appear in person. He won't be an apparition. We are not spiritualizing the coming of the Lord. He is coming to appear in the clouds. He's going to bring our loved ones with Him. We live like heaven's not real and like Jesus isn't coming back. And He's still coming back. And He says to that Colossian church, when Christ who is our life shall appear. That's why it's so dangerous, all these false eschatological views of the Scripture that don't view the coming of the Lord correctly. It just spiritualizes everything where it doesn't mean anything. It's either amillennialism where all this is not real. The coming of the Lord is not a real thing. The appearing of the Lord is not a real thing. It's just how you feel Him in your heart. Well, I want to check out now if that's true. <laughs> because I want to see Him. Amen. I've sung too many songs about Him for all these years. And I'm going to look on His face and I'm going to touch Him. And He can be touched. I've been touching Him with my feelings. But one of these days I'm going to touch Him with my hands. It's real. 
His appearing will be real and I'll see Him as He is. Just like they saw Him. I'll get to see Him. I'll get to look at the wounds in His hands and what He's done for me and all this spiritualizing of the Bible and saying it's not just the way... You know what I really believe? People that spiritually, they say that thousand years isn't real. And they go to that chain of the devil. I had a little conversation with a very, very prominent pastor over in, in England about this. He said the thousand year reign of Christ, you know, is not a literal thousand years. Well, it said, how many times do you have to say it? <laughs> he says it over and over again. You know what else is in that chapter? A great chain. You know, I believe in, I even believe that God has made or will make a great chain to chain up the devil with. I, I'd like to even think that he's already made it. You, you read Revelation 20? It says he'll bind Satan with a great chain. What if he's already made that thing? You say, well, you can't chain up a spirit. Hey, hey, you can, how can you burn a soul? But there's real fire in hell that really burns souls. If God can make fire that burns souls, He can make a chain that'll chain up the devil. I like to think in my mind's eye, it's sitting up there in heaven, and when the devil comes up and God says, hey, hey, boy, there's your chain. <laughs> See that chain? Go ahead and keep talking. There's your chain. It's waiting on you. Well, glory, I feel something on that. That God Almighty is going to chain up the devil. I don't think it's spiritualized. I don't think it's figurative. I think God's going to wrap a chain around him and throw him in the bottomless pit and shut him up. And what if that chain's just sitting over there right now? I think if I was the devil, I'd be pretty timid walking in there. And when he accuses the brethren, what the Lord says, rattle that chain a little bit. Guys, I believe everything in that book is literal. I really do. Unless God uses a like or a a simile or an as, we have figures of speech to let us know if something's figurative. But I believe he's really going to appear. But that's not all our text says. Your life is Jesus. Your life is hid with Christ in God. But one day your life will really appear. Would you look at our text again? It's a wonderful text. The Bible says when Christ, verse 4, who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him glory in other words when he appears you appear and he's going to appear in those clouds because he's going to appear in glory not going to appear on earth but going to appear in glory first thessalonians fourth cloud when he appears i appear now it wouldn't really matter where he appeared i just want to appear wherever he appears isn't that good Wherever he shows up, I'm going to show up. And he's going to show up in glory. And I'm going to appear with him in glory. 
great, great phrase in the Bible. Would you turn to 1 John 3? Oh, what a great phrase. Guys, we get so bogged down with our lives. And what I'm trying to tell you about your life, your life is Jesus, your life is hidden, and one day your life will appear as it really is, and the life that you look at now is not what is going to appear. You're going to appear with Him in glory. And the things that you and I think define our lives right now, when we really appear with Him in glory, all that's going to fade away. Look at this text. What a great verse. Verse John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet what? Appear. <laughs> what we shall be. But we know that when He shall what? Appear. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. One day my life will appear with Jesus, and that's when that which is hidden will be made known. I'll be just like Him. It's like I got to thinking about the things that don't appear like they are. Like the little caterpillar. I think caterpillars are ugly. I love when I was a kid. I'd love to catch caterpillars and fish with them, because they're easy to put on the hook. <laughs> caterpillar is just a bug. It can't get off the ground. They're ugly and slimy. But it doth not yet appear what it shall be. When it gets hidden. In the cocoon. And when the appearing time comes and it busts open, out flies a wonderful, colorful, beautiful thing. God says, that's your life. You take that oyster. And that little irritant gets into that oyster. Sometimes, I didn't even know this. I used to just think it was sand. But, you know, you just repeat things long enough you think they're true until you start studying it out. <laughs> There's so much sand in the ocean. If that was true, there'd be, anyway, there'd be oysters everywhere. It's not sand. Many times, get this, it's a parasite. And that thing gets in that oyster shell. What a bad thing. But it gets hid in that oyster shell. And that Secretions start wrapping around that thing to protect it over and over and over and over and over and over. And pretty soon that thing that was parasitic and irritant, when you pop open and appear, there's your pearl. Guys, sometimes our life just looks like parasitic infections and irritants. But the Bible says our lives are hid with Christ and God in one day. One day, we will appear with him in glory. I'll give you the last little illustration. Deep, deep down, hidden in the earth are precious substances. They dig down in those earth, and you ladies have got them on your hands, many of you. The most precious thing some nappy-headed guy will come up and give this girl and says, I love you, will you marry me? And he'll give her a ring, and what will he give her? 
They give her a diamond. That diamond was something that was hid down there. But you know what? That diamond didn't always look like that. That diamond down in there used to be just carbon. Just carbon. Same thing coal's made out of. Carbon, not coal, but same thing's made out of. Just carbon. Just carbon down in there. Not valuable. Not precious. Not important. But when it's hidden down in the earth and the pressure's on it and over time and one day somebody digs way down and opens up and it appears and the diamond is Beautiful, and the rays of light hit it and the colors of the spectrum beam through it because that thing that looked just like carbon when it appeared after God got through with it is a beautiful diamond. What I'm trying to tell you is your life, one day if you're saved, will appear in a way it does not look now. And we will be fashioned like unto his glorious body, we will be his diamonds, we will be his butterflies, we will be his pearls. And all those things in life that we've gone through, right now, the real us is hid with Jesus, waiting to appear with him in glory. And that's why he says, why would you set your affection on me? There's a diamond show coming. Why would you seek things on this earth? There's a beautiful appearing coming. Your life is so much more than what this life is about. He's going to appear and you're going to appear with him. And then we'll be known what your life really is. I say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And what he's trying to do with us now, he's trying to work on us now to make us more like him now is what he's trying to do. So that the life that we live down here appears to others as the life of Jesus that it should instead of Joe and Harry and Sally. and Just another life lived, no, no. Christ who is your life your life is hid with Christ in God and one of these days when he appears you will appear with him in glory that's what our life